This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. We are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com. Sam Webb, Ira Weintraub on the other side, and you know what time it is. It is time for the MGO Blog Roundtable. We do it every Thursday in the 9 o'clock hour. The MGO Blog crew joins us to break down the week that was and look ahead to the week that will be, or at least the weekend that will be, joining us as they do. Every week, uh, starting off first with the man who started all over at MGO Blog, Brian Cook. Brian, good morning. How are you? Hello. Just like Michigan and Pistol, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we go to Seth Fisher. Seth, good morning. Good morning. I just uh, I taught Bacon's class, which is uh, Dooley's class right now, yesterday. So after a bunch of 19 and 20-year-olds, you guys are nothing. All right. And <laughs> then, of course, Craig Ross. Good morning, Craig. Morning. I, I see Brian's got sloth on his T-shirt. I have to say that's the deadliest a, sin. No, it's probably my favorite of the various sins, sloth. So good, good work. Thanks. I'm doing fine. All right. So let's look back because I want to spend a healthy amount of time on Penn State. So let's uh, let's get your your takeaway, starting with you, Brian, from the victory over Indiana. Tale of two halves, it seemed. Uh, what did you think of that game? Well, you know, the first half did have a lot of errors, and those errors really started cropping up right after my cart went down. So there's missed blocks, there's missed cuts, there's just a lot of stuff where you're like, okay, maybe this team is not 100% into this game right now, very understandably. And then they pretty much are able to find their level in the second half. You have that drive that starts at the two because of an offsides on the punt, and you know, you get out to the four or whatever, and then you have back-to-back plays from McCarthy that should convert that first down. And he suffers a drop on the first one on what could have been a 96-yard touchdown and just doesn't care, right? It's fine. I got you. And then converts on the next play to Bell, and then they're off. And, you know, he throws that pick, but that's understandable. I don't really have a problem with that. And then they managed to pull away in the second half. So, kind of a trap game when you're clunkers they won the clunker and they won it by 21 so not too bad Seth? yeah i mean indiana's offense is about making you screw up right that's the whole plan is they they go temple they put a bunch of tempo they go over a whole bunch of guys on one side of the field you're getting into the middle of the field as soon as you line up and then you have eight seconds to find your guy and get over there and you know a few times michigan misaligned um but that's what Indiana does, and they use sight reads to see, like, okay, is the safety over here? I didn't understand Michigan's setup. Maybe they just thought they could get away with it. Maybe they thought, like, hey, Sainer still is just killing guys out there. Sainer still had a great game, and, um, I mean, things could have gotten a lot worse based off of what Michigan was doing. They were not they, – they didn't, like, game plan for Indiana. They, I think that they sat there thinking they are going to practice their, their stuff and do it from their base set and see if they can actually play this way. Uh, sometimes they could. I mean, they didn't get really gashed. They were giving up, like, you know, nine yarders. The only big play was Moten missed, uh, missed a tackle on the running back. And then the silly one where, you know, Bazelak throws it off his back foot, not even looking, and it somehow gets down to his receiver. Uh, but, you know, it was, a, it was a test, right? Like, let's see if we can do this. Let's see how much we can just sit in our base coverage and deal with this all this craziness and eventually they just said okay no we're gonna have to adjust to it and they did and they adjusted and and that was it because as soon as you get indiana along down they have to pass protect and they just have no interest in doing that correct 
Yeah, well, you know, nothing follows from following, and I, I'm not sure that uh, the heart injury or seizure uh, implied much in terms of team play, at least. Um, I do think this was a trap game, and be, you know, Michigan had to have been pointing for the road game at Iowa, which was obviously a, a big big game, a hard one for them, and then coming back to play Penn State. And in between that, you've got Indiana on the road, um, and Indiana is a competent team, and they're well coached, uh, in my opinion. And so this was, to my way of thinking, it was always going to be a hard game. And then in the first half, you had a, a sequence of things that were sort of bad luck. I felt the, the one pass off the back foot was a fluke, in my opinion. Um, and a couple of let's not talk about it official calls and and um, a few other things that we're happened waiting for that, that Craig come on we were well like, yeah, they sucked I mean uh, we, we were I'll like oh we're gonna have Thursday off we're just gonna wind yeah. up Craig and let him go and then we can, yeah uh, that can be and it it was in my opinion the worst officiated game Michigan's had this year and uh, but uh, leave it at that the. Uh, it was going to be a heartbreak, but in the end, they completely dominated the second half. I thought JJ had his best game of of the season. I mean, our 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 his career. I think the uh, my thoughts coming into the season, the same as many people, was where do we get a pass rush? Well, seems like somehow so far we have more pass rush. And well, that, I mean, that offensive line is a disaster. So. Yeah. I, I agree with you that 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 uh, particular the right tackle is a disaster. We've seen a lot of poor right tackles this year. It seems like, but still, uh, they've still got what twenty two sacks in six games. That's a ton. I know, but and, Indiana, I think they got too much pass rush. Like okay. you know, if I, we've seen Taylor Upshaw pass rush, and he's a he's a valuable player for them, especially yeah. like when they move him to tackle in the race car package. But it, he. If he's blowing around a guy, um, then it's really hard to take everything else that happens against that same guy as translatable to further competition. You know, that's a fair point that I heard uh, you and Brian make on on, on your uh, podcast. The uh, When everybody is rushing the passer, maybe it's not you. Uh, maybe maybe it's the quality of competition and that that's a subtle but pretty important something i hadn't thought of but i'll give you guys credit for that one uh that may be true i guess we'll see uh but you know incidentally penn state if they have a weakness or uh, one of their weaknesses certainly is right tackle i mean we're again this week going to see a right tackle who hasn't who hasn't been particularly good in, in pass pro in the past the the thing that that I came away a bit worried about and maybe Brian can, he's looked at the offense can, can disabuse me of this, but I wasn't that impressed with the, with Michigan's run blocking in particular this week. I felt like we, we didn't do a great job on, on Coram's 51 yard run, which was a touchdown incidentally, the, uh, on that run, um, I mean, that was all quorum. I mean, there was nothing there. There was nothing there. I mean, he, he went through four guys who were unblocked on the stretch. So, Well, uh, if we want to talk about this, we got to talk about the nature of the Indiana defense. Mm -hmm. So it was the complete opposite that we saw last week from Iowa. Iowa was content to sit with six guys in the box, have their linebackers read and react and rely on their defensive linemen to do something right. And that didn't really work out for Iowa. Indiana doesn't play like that. Indiana is a team of maniacal aggression. Um, and it's not every play, but when they think they have a beat on you, they're sending everybody. So that was one of ah, five, six, seven, eight plays where Michigan is running into uh, effectively a corner blitz. Um, and if there are a couple plays that indicate that these aren't, these are specifically run triggers so if you show run action those corners are going to come and if you don't then they are going to drop into coverage so what happens is you get these linebackers firing at the line of scrimmage you have these cornerbacks um activating on run action and it's just impossible for your offensive linemen to do well in that situation so yeah it was a it was a, a series of Unfortunate events because they had a great call to Brian's point. They had a, a trap corner 
and then Michigan is running a, a stretch play into a trap corner with a with a safety uh, rolling down, and your your edge guy totally missing a block. Like, well, know, that, I mean, he's missing that block because you get that activation on the outside, so that guy knows he doesn't have any edge responsibility, and he's just firing straight up field, and that level of unpredictability makes that block hard to make, and. I guess you want him to make it, but your job as the offensive coordinator is to make the opponent your your blocks easy. And Michigan did not do a great job with it in this game. They had some controls; they would put trips to the field and run some bubble stuff, and that really did hold those guys out there and give the blocking surface a more predictable approach. But you know, if Indiana gets a beat on you, they're they're gonna put you in the backfield, and that happened a number of times in this game. The flip side of that is, you know, there was a waggle play where they flipped it out to to Bell for twenty five yards, and all three guys in that waggle were wide open. So, if you can catch these guys and and fool them, yeah, they will they will give you a chunk yard play, and they'll have three guys back playing soft so that they just don't give up a touchdown. But I thought that the play calling sequencing in this game could have used a little bit more play action and by a little bit i mean a lot <laughs> yeah, i don't know i don't know what it is they, they don't i mean they ran some play action they that has not been on the menu very much to date for for jj and i don't know why i, I haven't even that has not been a line of questioning for me but i look at it like i wonder what the narrative for this game would be because i feel like a lot of it was shaped by joel clatt in in this contest I wonder well, what it would, wonder what it would be because the, the one that kind of sticks out to me was when JJ he he drops back and he throws a ball seemingly to nowhere right it it just drops between where uh, Joel said the ball should be sure. yeah he got, yeah he got hit on that road. Got, he, got, yeah. he got hit yeah. but he said that he overthrew AJ Henning no. on the play which he didn't which he didn't do he didn't overthrow AJ Henning he was trying to get the ball to Ronnie who had a one on one. A one-on-one, uh, you know, going to the post with the safety on the other side, on the other side of the opposite hash. You hit that, or you get the ninety-six-yard touchdown. I don't think people are like, "Oh my God, what happened to the offense in this game?" Well, sure. I mean, there there are some plays that you could have made that you didn't make, but there were a number of tackles for loss in this game that I don't really think Michigan had a chance to block, and. Particularly, I mean, Clatt's talking about the motion stuff, and that's a red herring. That, like, I've tracked that. I think yeah, that's nonsense. It. And like, I, what I did is, I, I actually thought there was something to it. But what I thought was the case is, if you're, if you Michigan motions a tight end into the box, that's going to be a run. I didn't really. There's a tendency there, but it's not rock solid. What is rock solid is that Michigan has played three Big Ten games, and every time they've been in pistol, it has been a run. Yeah. Every time. We're talking about 30, 40 plays at this point. And yeah. there are a number of times in this game where Mich- where Michigan goes pistol and Indiana just sells out. And yeah, I, I have no idea why you would do that. Like, I'm sure we're going to see some play action from pistol against Penn State. But Penn State's not stupid. They're going to they're, <laughs> they're be like, oh, they haven't run from pistol in three games. Okay, well, they're going to do it against us because it's a top 10 matchup. So I just don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. My only speculation would be, okay, well, you must be setting something up. Yeah, but if, it's, if so, it's too obvious, obvious to work. Yeah, if you're well, loading up this much, point. Penn State's going to be point. like, okay, what's the play action off of that? And they're going to practice Right, that. yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's not subtle. Let's see, let's yeah. see them do it. Unless Let, let's you're going to dump the it. entire like package, unless you're going to be like, okay, we just made Penn State practice against you know, pistol and against all the play action, then you just don't even have it in the system tomorrow. Like that's I the mean, only way I can imagine them using it. To, as it a real it's, it's just throwing away downs at this point for pretty much no upside, I think. So th- that personally, if I it, just don't understand. If it, if it sets up the way, for instance, they set up, um, you know, Iowa for, I'm just, I'm thinking of that, that first is we didn't see, we saw one counter in that game. And it was a counter reverse. It was the the only time they pulled out. It, it basically it was set up the year before by all the counters that they ran. They didn't run another counter the entire but game. But they ran that same exact play against against Hawaii earlier in the year. So that was already on film this year. It it didn't matter because like there's but still they only ran it once. That game. They, they only, only ran, ran it once. Well, you you can run play action 
four times off of pistol, and if you're still running 30 times out of it, you've set that up, and then you've not burned every single one of those downs. Well, I mean, let's talk about something else in this game, is that J.J. McCarthy ran the ball three or four times in the first quarter. And then for the rest of the game, Michigan is getting the benefit of that. So there are lots of opportunities for defensive ends to crash against Blake Corwin. They don't do it. They are respecting the threat of the keeper from J.J. McCarthy. And I don't think that costs you anything tactically. You know J.J. McCarthy can move. Penn State knows he can move. You're not really saving anything. So to run, to keep Indiana off balance, to not give them a lot of plays on which they're 80 to 90% sure it's a run, I don't think that's something where it's like, oh, we had to save this for Penn State. You might save something, a particular play that you think is going to work against them, a particular technique, but just the broad strokes of like, is this a run or a pass? Do we have play action from this formation? I don't think you're really getting anything by running 100% of the time from any particular formation. It yeah, just, it'll, it'll be interesting to see um, because I play action seems like it is that they are ripe at this point to really be able to take advantage of, of some teams. So if they are going to break it out, it would seem like this would be the week to break well, it out. Maybe they were setting up for this moment. I don't know that to be the case. I mean, but. I haven't looked at Penn State, but they could run all the play action they want against Iowa, and Iowa's going to read it out, and they're going to play the way they play. Indiana's a totally different defense. So this was a week where when they did run play action, guys were wide, wide open. And, you know, there, there's just... I mean, you want to see a little bit more creativity, I guess. They tried the fake check, which actually got Cornelius Johnson open on a dig and, and induced Indiana into a uh, futile blitz that they mistimed. Other than that, there wasn't really a whole lot of oomph from the play calling. Understand that against a 22.5-point dog, but also this is a 10-10 game at halftime, and you're halfway through the third quarter, and it's still 10-10. It's like, okay, we got to... We got to pull something out. And, you know, Michigan did do a couple things that that played off tendencies. Like they were using Schoonmaker as a decoy and getting the ball to Anthony behind him. So, you know, I think there's, there's a little bit in there. But just in terms of like the number of really frustrating plays that it seemed like Indiana had downloaded, too high for me in this game. Well, that, that play, that dig to Andre, they must have run that, run that play five different, five, six different times on, on the day. And JJ hit, he hit a different receiver every single time. So I don't, you know, I, I think that that's an example of one play that he just opens the door for. So they kept going back to the well and they didn't, Indiana really didn't have an, an, an answer for it. So I, I think just trying to speculate, I think maybe they saw, Hey, we got some, some different opportunities with plays that we've run to really get more out of them. And they got more out of them. In the second half, that play in particular is one. I mean, they scored a touchdown off of that play with with Cornelius Johnson. They got the two digs to uh, the two digs to Andrew Anthony on that play. They got the the one hand to catch the, to CJ on that play. It just wound up being a really really effective one for him yeah. on the day. Yeah. I, I, Go ahead. I'm and sorry, Brian. One thing is that on that first dig to Andrew Anthony, he's got Scootmaker if he wants him, and he looks him up. And he draws that defender, and then he hits the dig behind Anthony. And we've seen that several times from him so far. Just the ability to flick his head around, to move people on the defense, to open up better opportunities for him to throw. And I think that's one of the most exciting things about him. Go ahead, Craig. No, I have just questions for you guys. There's the sequence where Michigan, I'm not sure where this is in the game. Michigan has a uh, uh, third, a third and a couple third and two they gain a yard the refs put the ball back a yard anyway to make it fourth and two and uh and michigan runs a quarterback sneak which seems to make the first down but michigan had called timeout right so now we have like the ball moves again to about a fourth and one and a half and um they I mean, and uh, Indiana, credit. he moved the ball <laughs> the second time. Okay. Olu, Olu did that thing okay. the centers do where you just kind of like, you know, shift okay. that ball a little forward. I, I watched him do that. 
And and so, but I wonder about that play. It looks to me like Ronnie Bell blows a block, and Ronnie Bell's a good blocker because he's too wide on the formation. Yeah, he was. Or is that just a terrible play call he, because the, wide, Indiana's also, got every single person on the line I of scrimmage? Mean, uh, he's he's too wide, but also like that's a hard block to make. If you're the wing, from where he was, it was end, even if you're an offensive lineman, the best yeah. thing you can do is cut the guy at that point because you're already uh, giving up a yard into the backfield by being on the wing. So, but but so first of all, that was another play where JJ is waving his senior, knowing exactly what his senior receiver is supposed to do, and it's like, come on in, come on in, and it still looked like Ronnie was confused there. So he, he was it, too too wide for the yeah. play. Yeah, and so like, he, why don't you just split me out where this guy can't even affect the play anyway? Yeah. He's gonna have to go right. outside with me. Why are you inviting this guy into the backfield? Yeah, that's he, a good question. He just needs to put his body in the way. You don't even need to make an effective block. The run isn't going there. If he can just put his his body in front of him, cut him, or run some interference, that gives you enough room to to make that play. But he was not even in the not even in the front. I don't think he got the call. Is essentially what I think was the problem. If Ronnie gets the call, he at least puts his body in the way they're and that coming out of a, room to, to, to get a yard, but they're coming out of a timeout. I'm not saying that he shouldn't, that he should have been in that position. He should have gotten a call some kind of way, but clearly he was confused. You can see it after the game. We're looking at, he, he has his arms up. Like, what was I supposed to do? I don't know if that's what he said, but it certainly seemed like that because JJ's waving frantically. Come in, come in, come in. He comes in, but he doesn't come in all the way. They snap the ball. Guy goes right across his face and, and makes the play. So, and I mean, we—I don't want to get Craig started on this, but the, I mean that that spot was impossible. Yeah. So Michigan's lining impossible. up to go for a sneak because they're like, okay, we got a half yard to go, and then they're back at the—they're <laughs> back as if that gate and like, folks, Edwards had not been touched by the time he got to the line of scrimmage. Like I, I have no idea what these officials were doing all day. These guys are idiots. Every single one of them. I just the number of calls in this game that were just like, why? Like you get the the Harold thing. Honestly, the personal foul on Indiana for the late like strip of the ball. That's not violent. That's not gonna hurt anybody. That's He's completely just stripping the ball out afterwards. Like you just okay, stop. Tell him stop. Yeah. Right. Just like, don't do that again. It's just, yeah, uh, yeah, they were awful. And it wasn't just against Michigan. I agree. Uh, They were awful. But the the second, the second question that I, I got for you guys is, you know, Trente Jones going out is, I don't know how much of a big deal. I mean, I felt Barnhart uh, pass pro pretty well, and I'm not sure Michigan has any loss in pass pro with Barnhart versus Trente, but he probably they probably hurts them some in the run game, doesn't it? And I don't know how that's, he graded out. That's been the contention. I really want to know what UFR said now. Yeah, well, I haven't added up the numbers, but mm-hmm. uh, Barnhart had one fairly big error where uh, I, this might be a, an intentional. I think they call it wind back, where the, you're intentionally cutting to the backside of his own play. And it might be that the Indiana linebacker just made a great read and, and, and didn't take the bait, but he just completely whiffs on the 18 yard quorum run. And then he turns around to go chase the guy, which you can't do. Like if you, if you miss a block, you just got to go find someone else. But in terms of like, did he move Indiana guys decently? Yes. Did he mostly get his blocking assignments? Right. Yes. So, you know, I, I think, there's probably going to be, I mean, there's obviously going to be some downgrade. There's a reason Trent A. Jones was starting. But uh, I think in terms of like, do I feel relatively confident about this position going forward? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to see him against, uh, I don't know, Arnold Ebikite, but Ebikite <laughs> is not playing for Penn State this year. So right. yeah. So I feel like, uh, I, think, I think they'll get by. Yeah, I mean, my guess is Trente's probably gone uh, for a few games at least. Uh, I mean, high ankle they're saying high ankle like a, sprain is that's kind of yeah, like one of those things where the guys try to go and it bothers you all season. Yeah, if you get him back by Ohio State, that's a win. I, in my opinion, yeah, like, I would agree. Uh, I had another question, yeah. so and this, this one is, is more. This percent. is a good break point. This is a okay. good break point. So we'll take that pause as an invitation to take a break. Uh, we'll actually get some user, some viewer questions in as well. I've been trying to do that more lately. People are like, hey, why don't you ever take user questions? 
I'll try to get some in. Uh, on the other side, we'll also talk some Penn State. You got to get into the Nittany Lions. Want to spend a healthy amount of time on them. Some more M. Global Law Roundtable on the other side here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050. WTKA, the ticket. All right. I don't think Craig said this. Did, did Craig say the Coach Hart's emergency shouldn't have affected the whole team? No, no. I said <laughs> that you can't, you know, that's no. Okay. I mean, yeah, With I mean. A. I, I just said you. it's hard to know. I mean, it might have affected the whole team. I mean, it's possible. It might have affected, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, we're not, I we're mean, not psychologists, and we're not even, yeah. like, specifically talking to those guys. That's a question to ask those players. That, like, yeah. they, what was, you know, what what did it do to your game preparation and everything like that? Um, but that's not something that, like, fans are going to sit around and be like, oh, my God, like, you know, the heart thing changed things. Obviously, the heart thing changed things. It's just... I made this point on the podcast too. We just we're not the people who can tell you. The players are. They're the ones who are affected emotionally by it. They we're not going to be able well, to even describe. Even the players are probably not going to be like, yeah. "Oh yeah, that is the reason that I didn't make this block." Right. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, it's I just said, it, it definitely was. Uh, I think it was. It was. It was jarring for coaches and play for co- for players and coaches because the coaches were like, "Oh my." Like what? I, it just it seemed like the way it was described to me. It was awful. You thought he was dying. Yeah, well, that's so, understandable. And so, you know, and and it was it's terrible. And and we all hope that that Mike does okay. And this isn't something uh, indicating some serious problem. But the uh, but whether it impacted the game or not, I don't. You know, I don't think, I think any of did. us. You think it did? I think it did. I mean, you the miss cuts. I mean, you got miss blocks. One thing, miss cuts by those guys. The guys, some Blake Corum doesn't miss cut. Yeah. Even Donovan, you looked at him against the Iowa game. I was amazed by how sharp he was versus Iowa. And yeah, there were and, and yeah, there, a couple of the Donovan ones were just kind of like, wow, that's yeah, it was, it, he that was edge is very set. This will be a close game unless UM cleans up linebacker play. I actually agree with that. Yeah. I mean, they they were using more Jimmy Rolder in this game, and Rolder, you can see how he's going to be a good player, but you know, still, still very much a true freshman. And like the fact that they're using him shows you that Mullings is really not the answer either. So you're like, okay, you got Barrett and you got Colson. Colson is still learning on the job, and you know, every every game, there's like, okay, there's nine great things that I liked about, about that he did, and like that's. You can see that coming, and that's much better than last year when there was like four good things he did. Where you're like, "Wow, this is gonna come," and then there were still nine bad things. But there's still <laughs> nine bad things. You know, I, I think it, it's just in in general. I, I mean, you could, I think you could point out instances where all those guys have gotten beaten in in coverage. And in this game, it was, um, yeah, I think the first one might have been the, the first, the might first have been play Khalil. of the game. Yeah, well, the first play of the game, Makari Page is involved in that too. So K- Page, they're they're not lined up correctly, which is, I, gosh, you know, what's Indiana going to do? They're getting exactly what they do, and so Page comes down late, and then a guy releases, and Page is coming down because he looks like they're going to go for that screen to the running back. So Page is screaming at the running back, and Colson's backing up, and those two guys I thought were supposed to have the opposite jobs. I thought Page because he all of a sudden bails. He's like, oh no, and like freaks out and turns around and, and chases the guy. Um, what play are we talking about? The touchdown? No, 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 no. This is a play that just went to the running back, where they were was, open to get to the scene, but like, so, basically well, they they, they open they open with a, a fake screen that they're trying to hit the seam. They have it, but they don't throw it because Page uh, sucked up on the action, and then Colson drops off the running back too. So like both these guys are kind of in no man's land, but. Hmm. And then Moten only got 14 snaps in this game, and I think like three or four of them are real bad. So that's uh-huh. a concern too. Yeah, Paige definitely passed Moten. Back on radio, guys. A lot more than him. So, guys, any more any more takeaways from Indiana before we move on to Penn State? Because uh, this Penn State matchup, uh, they're going to be seeing the best running back to date uh, that they've seen, and this is at, at the the potential. To to really test or tax the aspect of the defense that that maybe has been um, the over the last couple of weeks the aspect of the defense that's been sort of attacked the most and that's uh, Michigan at the linebacker level especially in coverage. 
Uh, I have a question for Seth before uh, before we get to Penn State. I mean, Vance Bedford on on uh, your interview this week seemed to be saying that he felt Jermon Green was a, just a slice above Turner as as a, in his corner play at this moment. Did you hear that the same way, Sam, or am I misconstruing so in, in what this, Vance said? Uh, in this game, he what, talked about he talked about uh, he really likes DJ. He talked about the free release. Uh, the free releases that he was given with, with an eye on uh, Penn, with, with an eye on Penn State, but mainly Ohio State, uh, and wanting to see him him tighten up on that aspect of things because he felt like that's going to be uh, an attack plan if if he's going to give free releases, and that's not you're not going to see that from Jamon. You're not going to see Jamon giving free releases because Jamon doesn't run like doesn't run like DJ Vance's point is it doesn't matter. I don't I don't want any of my guys getting in foot races. This is going to be uh, an extremely I, hot take, uh, but okay. I think Indiana's receivers are well coached, and I think that Ohio State's are actually not that well coached. Ohio State. Oh come on, man! Oh, come on, just move they on. Are, that's, they are that's so insane. talented. They are so no, good. That's insane. I, it's, <laughs> just, they're so. No. They don't stop, have. Stop move. telling people that like good good football programs aren't coaching their players. Oh that's no, crazy. that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. That, I, I'm what saying are you saying? Indiana, I'm saying specifically Indiana's receivers had some good moves to get off the line, and they were beating DJ, especially um, Cameron, was it? Was beating DJ Turner off the line. He was getting good releases. And I haven't seen guys get good releases against um, against Michigan corners for a long time, including against Ohio State last year. They were really jamming them up at the, at the line. Michigan's normally been pretty good at that. Uh, and Javon Green has actually been excellent. We saw one from Will Johnson where he put a guy to the sideline. Uh, but... Some of the Indiana receivers, they just they have really good footwork at the beginning of the play, um, and that you know even the one with the, the back foot ridiculous throw, like Turner had a chance to to, to jam that guy and just like um, he whiffs on him, and then he's got to you know and then he's got to follow and then he's got to catch up. He's got the speed to catch up, um, but I was I want to give credit where credits due. Indiana had some good plans to get off the line of scrimmage. They also used a little bit of motion at the beginning to get off the line of scrimmage. They they knew what they were doing as far as that was concerned. Okay. Yeah. Um so what are as far as the the question that I got to one in, in the break about uh linebackers in coverage, Iowa clearly uh got some got some plays that way by game in Michigan's linebackers. And this was one another game where they uh where they did that with some success. You had the wheel uh, to the end zone, and then of course they tried to the elite. It was a legal crack if your if your tight end stays behind the line, right? But uh, clearly that's where they were trying to attack Michigan. They don't really Penn State don't really throw it to Nick Singleton, but I can see with a couple of weeks them saying, "Hey, they we have, made though, they've gotten." They, I mean, they got a wheel to Singleton uh, one of those game, early games in the season where it was just like, "Okay, that looks scary." Um, but that that play, I thought, I don't know if this is Michigan's plan, but I don't think Barrett should have been the one responsible. Now the the crack that they call back, they call it back correctly. It's an illegal pick because it's caught past the line of scrimmage. That play was not designed to be caught behind the to be caught in front of the line of scrimmage. That play was designed to be caught in the backfield, which would make that crack legal. And the best way to deal with that is not to have your guy fight over that. The best way to deal with that is to have your cornerback replace. Because he's the one seeing it, he's the one following the, the the guy, and like that cornerback then just runs himself into Michael Barrett. Barrett's a fast linebacker; you can get away with that. If you're playing a guy like Michael Barrett at linebacker, you should be using his speed to make those switches and just have Turner come up and and make that play. Or it's a no play if Yavi takes the quarterback <laughs> instead, of, instead of going for a dive on that play. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, but, it, it's maybe a tackle for loss yeah, on that. I mean that's. But, I, why are you taking the quarterback? He hasn't kept it once, right? <laughs> but that's your responsibility, though. Sure. You don't have dive. You don't have dive responsibilities on that play. Your your edge guy has the quarterback. That's his man. And and so it was it was one of those deals where I think that's a coaching point. What I took from that play was the adjustment that they made from the touchdown in the first half to to that particular play, or I mean the touchdown that they that they scored. Uh, at first, and when was that? The crack was that in the second half. Yeah. At any rate, at any rate. Well, no, that was yeah. that was the extra. Sorry, that was the end of the first. That was in the first half. Yeah, your 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 the alignment of your linebacker was different. It was very very subtle. 
Uh, and it was something that that Vance pointed out to me when we were looking at the at the film. The first uh, time that they put the running back out and he runs in the flat, you had your your linebacker aligned in the a gap. He he aligned in his gap responsibility. He was le- he was out leveraged from the jump. Well, he's right? out leveraged from the jump, and then he takes a false start on like no action. Right, and the, and that too, that too, that that just compounded the error. And so, and his first steps. We're, we're wrong in addition to being in the A-gap. So he he was out leveraged and then he exacerbated the problem. On the crack play, you see a different alignment of the linebacker. He is aligned on the tailback in the B-gap, even though he still has A-gap responsibility. So they were they were making some adjustments there uh, and they were going to put the their linebacker in position to be able to to be able to make a play. I don't know uh, about the, you know, the exchange that you were talking about. Uh, uh, there, so, Seth. Yeah, I, I don't I, know if it's in the program. I don't know if that's the plan. I'm saying that if you're using Barrett, I mean, if you have Nakai Hill Green in there, maybe that is the plan because what you don't want is Nakai Hill Green having to chase a receiver after that, right? Because if they're switching, then DJ Turner's receiver is now the linebacker's job. And you have a guy like Michael Barrett who came in as a quasi defensive back, and that's the guy you're playing. That's how they played when they had um, Kovacs. Not Kovacs. Uh, ah. Glasgow, when they had Jordan Glasgow playing linebacker, right? He's more of a safety type. You protect him by having the defensive tackles take doubles, and then you actually can do more of these switching because he can take on more coverage responsibilities like that. Yeah, so let's let's jump into, into Penn State because we, we went too far in it, farther into Indiana than I wanted to go. So that is something that I look for defensively for, for Michigan. As you look at Penn State's Penn State's offense, what do you see? What sort of what sort of maybe is the most problematic? I mean, what do you think of at this point? Do you think they have buyer's remorse about not choosing Will Levis to be the guy? I mean, what do you what do you think about Penn State's offense? Well, I mean, it's just hard to tell because, like, I mean, Northwestern was played in a monsoon. They're in a game against Central Michigan in the fourth quarter. Auburn's awful, and Purdue's defense is is pretty wobbly. So. What it looks like is it looks like Sean Clifford is going to get hit and mm-hmm. his efficiency is going to drop off considerably after he gets hit. And they don't have a Jahan Dotson on this team. They got a couple of transfers who are decent. They got Parker Washington. They don't have a guy who's going to take the top off the defense like that. And also DJ Turner gave Jahan Dotson the business last year. So I don't think that he's going to be intimidated by anything that that – Penn State is putting out as a wide receiver. So really you're just looking at like, can you stop the run against this team? And I think so. Like historically Penn State's offensive line has not been very good. And then, you know, you get into the stats of these guys and it's like, okay, yeah, they, they put some numbers up against central Michigan, but I mean, they just haven't played a team that really has a run defense and anything approximating normal conditions. You are you guys buying Michigan's pass rush at this point? I know we talked about who they played. I mean, but you look back at last year's game, last year's team, and they had 14 sacks through six games. It wasn't against the it wasn't like they it was a you know, they they playing big time teams in the first six games last year either. And Pierce, and this team has more sacks at the same stage by a considerable margin. Here's, what's, here's what I State. think is real. I think Mike Morris is real. His technique is is excellent, his strength is excellent. And, you know, he did a little bit last year, too. I think Mike Morris is real. I think Yabioki is actually real. Um, the level he was beating Indiana's guys was at a, was just higher than what he was doing that, when the other guys were. Um, I don't think Upshaw is, is real. I think that he's, you know, a, a effective pass rusher from inside and a smart pass rusher, so he's really effective on, like, stunts well, and stuff. Well, Upshaw got 10 snaps in this game. Yeah. So, you know, I think Alex prior to the season was sort of talking about the Upshaw line where like that's Michigan's floor. Taylor Upshaw is not going to suddenly transform into a like high end pass rusher. So like our Upshaw snaps are a pretty good proxy for like, all right, do we get some pass rush from our ends? And we saw Derek Moore turn in some pass rush. We saw Oki like, and I I do think Morris is, is exceeding our expectations because we were like, Oh, that guy's Chris Wormley. And I don't think Chris Wormley ever turned in this sort of consistent yeah. rush over a number of three to four weeks. Like he'd flash. He was really good on stunts, but in terms of just like one-on-one beating a tackle, uh, we didn't see this level from, from Chris Wormley. 
Yeah, and so, I wonder, you guys, I wonder if we're, we'll see more snaps for, from Derek Moore. I just, I feel like that dude of the guys that we don't see a lot, when he gets in there, you feel him physically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he's supposed to be just this guy who's a flash off the edge, and you you look at him, and it's like, okay, that's Taco Charlton as a senior. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy, this guy is jacked, and... His, his rep as a recruit was a guy who just tries to get around the corner, doesn't do anything else. They changed that. He's already going speed to power with consistency and effectiveness against bad tackles. So I think it's coming. I think, you know, you're talking about Oki on the goal line, not uh, executing his assignment. That's like 110% what it's got to be for Derek Moore, right? Mm-hmm. True freshman did enroll right. early, but, you know, just a guy who, they probably can't rely on to execute his assignment every time because he's a freshman. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like, if they can, they can find situations where they can put those guys out there, and they did. I mean, those guys almost had as many snaps as Harold in the last game, and that's partially because of Indiana's tempo. Mm-hmm. But I mean, shouldn't we be moving Morris inside on passing downs and letting both those guys go to work? They I kind of think so. Yeah, it's interesting. They did something really interesting on Iabi's sack. Was he? They aligned him on the same side as as Derek Moore, and gave him a running shot at the guard, and he ran right. He ran right. Yeah. Through yeah. I think you. Mean, I think you mean Morris, right? Like that. I think that was Morris on the outside. Yeah, no, it, was, it was. It was more, it, it was, was Morris that was on the outside. Free freshman rush. It was, oh, Mike well, Morris. Yeah, yeah. it was Mike Morris on the outside. It was Mike Morris on the outside. Okay. And then it was Iabi, you know, offset, off the guard. He got that running shot and just dispatched the guy on his way, dispatched the guard on his way to the quarterback. And I, I wonder if we might not see that more, see them align both of those guys on the same side and uh, and see what happens. Because that's yeah. – I agree with you guys. I think Mike Morris has been the best player on the defense so far. Vance was a little up in the air. He said he thinks it might be Mikey Sangristle, which – I mean, that's, you can't really that's argue. That's not a bad take right now. Yeah, he's, you can, he's you can't argue yeah. with someone who, who picks Mikey, but Mike Morris has been the deal. Let's go to the other side of the ball, though. This, so, look, if you weren't talking about, if it weren't for Aiden Hutchinson and David Jabo last year, you'd have been talking about Penn State's defensive ends because they had some guy. Ebiketti was a dude. And, and here's yeah. what we forget is Adisa Isaac was supposed to be the guy over him. So, what about Penn State's defense? Do you think we are going to see a similar sort of uh, similar sort of uh, defensive presence to the one we saw last year that was pretty disruptive against Michigan for three and a half quarters? Well, they got this kid in called Chop Robinson, and just by name alone, <laughs> I think he's going to be pretty good. And like he's he's a guy who is grading out really well to PFF, and I do trust their like pass rusher rankings pretty well because they have stats to back it up. How many pressures you got? I think that's pretty useful. Um, So, you know, I think, I mean, this guy transferred from Maryland, which is a really Maryland five star who like wasn't getting on the field immediately at Maryland and kind of wanted to transfer because of it. There was uh, the, when I was doing the previews this year, the Maryland blogs were pretty upset about like with their coaches for letting shop Robinson go. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so there's going to be a real test, especially for Barnhart. I think he's probably not on the level Ebikite uh, because he's a sophomore. He's a true sophomore, so he's not at that bull rush level yet. But he's going to be a, a problem in a way that I don't know if Michigan's pay, fat, uh, faced a high-end pass rusher this year. I mean, nobody from Maryland counts, I don't think. Nobody from – so. We saw Hayes struggle in this game last year, and so that's going to be a major uh, swing point for the game. No doubt. Yeah. From a macro view, I do this little stat, and it's, uh, and it's worked over and over. It, it, it nailed the point differential in both the Iowa and the Indiana game to within a point, and um, it's net yards per pass attempt. You have to tease out the, you have to tease out the sacks, and it it has Michigan by 13 points better than Penn State on a neutral field with you know neutral turnovers, zero turnover impact. So I, I you know in the big picture, the numbers or at least my numbers seem to indicate this is a game Michigan should win. Now I was concerned about uh, 
uh, quality of opposition. I thought maybe Penn State had played a tougher schedule, but when I looked at it, that's not really true. Uh, Auburn is terrible. I didn't realize how bad Auburn was until I looked at the fact that they struggled against San Jose State at home, won that by a touchdown. They beat Missouri at home by a field goal. Um, that's just not a good team. And and so it, they're not much of a measure. And then the other teams, uh, you know, Northwestern might, uh, you know, it was in a monsoon, as Brian pointed out, and they beat Purdue by four. So their internal numbers really aren't all that good. And I mean, they're okay, but they're, they're better than average numbers, but they're not great. And so that element of it makes me makes me feel pretty good in terms of the individual matchups. So I'll leave that to Brian and Seth. I don't know. Yeah, the, what do you think? It's, I about, think they're secondary. What about their Penn State secondary, which I think is good. actually pretty good. Yeah, they're yeah, good. I mean, I mean, they got Joey Porter, who's very established, probably the best cornerback in the Big Ten. Sorry, DJ. And and the uh, opposite, and they got Kalen King out of Cast Tech, who's been. He was good for them last year, and he's really taking a step forward this year. He's kind of on the on the borderline of a star as well. Um, they also their defensive tackle. I mean, PJ Mustafer is back, and that guy was a real problem for Michigan a few years ago. We didn't face him last year, uh, but his whole thing, and this has been a kind of a Penn State thing for years, is he just dives in the backfield every single time. So I would love to see some of that old Harbaugh stuff where like they trap a guy, like mess with those tackles, please. Like these guys will step forward. Hell or high water. I especially saw it in the Auburn game. And Auburn originally was taking advantage of it. Auburn's not a very good team, so they couldn't really get anything once you know Penn State fixed a couple things up. But even they were moving the ball against uh, Penn State just by trapping those linebackers and, and running traps or whatever. Um, the uh, but yeah, their secondary this is a whole other level. Like Iowa stayed back. They've got the other good, the great pair of corners in the Big Ten. And they kind of were playing off so much that it didn't matter. But Michigan didn't really get to use their, their receivers so much against the cornerbacks. Even when they did, you remember the one play where, like, Ronnie Bell wants to go deep and, um, and you know, McCarthy wants to just throw the out to him. And, you know, and, and Bell fixed that last week. again. But mm-hmm. this is the kind of team that you're going to want to come under. Like, you don't, you don't want to mess around with these cornerbacks. They're playmakers. Uh, then they got this Jonathan Sutherland, who was a safety last year. They moved him to kind of a quasi linebacker. He's pretty decent in there. Um, He's been there like 37 years, man. Yeah, <laughs> He's no. been there forever. <laughs> Six-year senior, yeah. And then Jair well, Brown and Keaton Ellis, They, you know, we saw them last year too at safety. So, I mean, they've got a pretty decent secondary. Manny Diaz knows what he's doing. He's he's a, a numbers guy, a pretty modern coach. So, I mean, he was Miami's head coach last year. So, like, the, the, this, this is not like a – Big downgrade from the Brent Pry defenses that gave us trouble in the past. I mean, their their results are pretty iffy, just in terms of like total yardage against teams that they should be dominating. I mean, Central Michigan was basically dead even, and that that game was a, a game into the fourth quarter. You know, Purdue basically the same. Purdue's a pretty good team this year, but it's not like they dominated them in terms of like win expectation or that kind of thing. So you feel like a team like Michigan playing at home, like coming off uh you know their clunker and and probably refocusing a lot this this week i mean i feel like this should probably be a comfortable victory you know yeah. penn state has not really put up the kind of games that you would expect that a team that is really going to come into michigan stadium and and give it to michigan uh should put up so you know i kind of feel like this is going to be there for the taking now i don't it's not gonna be a blowout it's gonna be a game but like you know, I think it should be clear that Michigan is the better team by the second half. Yeah, I like I like JJ's progression heading into this game. I agree with you, Craig. I think Indiana was his was his best game, and I'm not just talking about looking at it from he threw for 300 yards. Yeah, I'm looking no. at his his command and his progression reading was was on another level in in that contest, and that is heartening. It's encouraging heading into this into this game where. I think he's going to be under more duress. I think the windows are going to be tighter against this against this secondary, and so. But he's, I think, to the point where it's reasonable to still be able to expect him, or reasonable to expect him to still be able to make plays. I mean, for him, the tightness of the window doesn't matter. It's does the window exist, <laughs> right? Like the interception, there's no window, but it's right, right on John, uh, Ronnie Bell's face mask. Yeah. So like. 
you know, he, he did have some iffy throws in this game. There was the one that Bell had to bail him out on and prevent the interception. But in terms of just like accuracy, he's got it. So like, I'm not that concerned that the, the defensive backs are going to be a little bit closer. Um, also, can I, I need to stick up for Ronnie Bell's separation in this game. There have been a lot of people on the internet who's like, our receivers can't get any separation. Okay. Blatant call, uncalled pass interference on a two-way go that should have been a touchdown. And the other one where he threw it deep, uh, the Indiana cornerback, who's Taiwan Mullen, who's been pretty good his career, gave him an 11-yard cushion. <laughs> so, no, he couldn't make up an 11-yard cushion uh, on like a 30-yard route. So let's let's cool the Jets on, on Ronnie Bell not being able to get open, please. Is the weirdest thing that there are still like Ronnie Bell haters out there, and like there's uh, maybe one guy that's, just keeps on creating new Twitter and, and go blogger accounts just, just to like troll us because he because he hates Ronnie Bell. It's just it's it's so weird. I do want to point Ronnie out Ronnie Bell is real yeah, quick. Run, yeah, yeah, real quick on this team that like Michigan last year it was the the game felt it, the game was a really close game obviously, but Penn State collected all four fumbles from that game and like. When you looked at the yardage and like the breakdown of that game, Michigan was by far the better team. So you have a slightly worse Penn State team, and Michigan seems to be about as good when you you know add up the offense and the defense and whatnot as they were last year. And they're at home. Like unless you have some weirdness, I I feel more comfortable this year than last year. Gotcha. All right. I absolutely agree. Uh, winner who wins? Seth, quick. Uh, Michigan forty-two twenty-seven. Craig, twenty-eight fourteen. Michigan. Brian. Uh, 31 to 17. Michigan. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the M. Goblar Roundtable here on the Michigan Insider. Quick call for anyone who wants to join us inside the Bud Life Victor's Lounge. Be caller number seven at 734-998-1050. You'll be with us on the corner of Stadium and Main. We, we do the key bank countdown to kickoff. We'll see you on, well, we'll see you tomorrow. If you win the Victor's Lounge passes, we'll see you on Saturday. Thanks for listening. The Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK, the ticket, official voice of University of Michigan Sports Ann Arbor, a cumulus station.